1: opioids. Nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. The word of the day is opioids. It's a conversation that we're going to have right now. I'm not waiting another day. This is in the news right now because of the trial of former Major League Baseball pitcher Tyler Skaggs, who was found dead in his hotel room in Texas with an overdose of opioids. He had mixed it with alcohol. The opioids were not pure, they had fentanyl in it, and he choked on his own vomit, and when he didn't show up to a game, knocked on the door, broke in the door, and he was dead. Tyler Skaggs was a promising pitcher, and it has created shockwaves throughout the sports world. I don't know why, and we're going to talk about why I don't know why. It's not a surprise that someone would overdose on opioids in baseball or in any industry how did he get them because it wasn't from the team doctor it turns out it may have been from someone in his pr department someone named eric k is on trial right now and they are trying to prove beyond a reasonable doubt in a courtroom right now that eric k was the one who gave the opioids to tyler skaggs therefore causing his death the defense all it has to prove is that there could be a reasonable doubt that somebody else gave tyler skaggs the drugs that caused his death. So you're reading a lot of articles right now. People are live tweeting from the trial. And it's not getting a lot of attention until yesterday when four current Major League Baseball players or four teammates of Tyler Skaggs took the stand. Major League Baseball players took the stand, including New York's own Batman, Matt Harvey, who had to take the stand having been given immunity by the prosecution because he had said that if you put me on the stand without immunity, I will invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege and right not to self-incriminate, and I will not answer any of your questions. It does not mean that Matt Harvey was involved in the death of Tyler Skaggs, but it does mean that he may have been very aware of his drug use. Matt Harvey got on the stand and acknowledged that he does cocaine, And there have been tremendous numbers of articles comparing him to now Doc Gooden. All of a sudden, there's cocaine in the game. There's opiates in the game. What is baseball doing? What are we going to do? Well, it's time that I told you what's going on inside baseball and what's been going on every single year I've been in baseball. What I've seen, what I haven't seen, what I could have done, what I didn't do, what I couldn't have done what i couldn't have known major league baseball's clubhouse contrary to what everybody wants to believe is simply a collection of men that's it there's men who have a talent they can throw a ball they can catch a ball they can hit a ball that's it it's no different than being a mathematician it's no different than being a doctor or a physicist a lawyer, a producer, their talent just happens to involve a sport and a ball that you're willing to pay to watch them do. You like to bet on the results of what they're doing. But inside a clubhouse, you've got cliques, you've got factions, you've got prejudice, you've got racists, you've got conservatives, you've got liberals. You've got tall people, short people, gay people, straight people, brown, black, white. It is what I would argue a microcosm of society. Certainly, you could say it's not an exact financial microcosm, but I would tell you it is. Because inside a clubhouse, you've got incredibly rich people and incredibly poor people. The poor poorer people, they may not be the ones in uniform, but people who are running the clubhouse, cleaning the jockstraps, doing the laundry, they're making far less than you are. And the reason why we're able to pay them far less than you'd want to make is that there's a thousand people willing to do that job because they think it's a great, great job until they start. And then they say, wow, this is a hard job. But so it is a microcosm financially as well why are you surprised and why is it newsworthy when somebody's gay oh i i get it now the reason why it's such a big deal when someone came out in the nfl that vit raiders player nasib was a big deal because active players can't be gay active players can't come out as gay what happens in the shower is it uncomfortable Do you know that inside every clubhouse I've been in, there's been at least one gay player? There's never been an issue inside the shower, outside the shower, on the team plane, the front of the plane, the back of the plane, the side of the plane, in the hotel. No one's ever given it a thought. What about other things going on in a clubhouse? Alcoholics, drug addicts, domestic abusers, happily married people, people who cheat every day every city, everything that you think of that happens in your place of work, in your family, with your friends, that goes on. I was aware of pretty much everything that was going on in the clubhouse, or so I thought. What is my responsibility as a team president? It's like being the president of the United States? Maybe. Is it like being the president of your church or your temple or the president of your company? Or how about the head of your household? How about just the master of your domain? When you are in charge of something or a group of people, plus an activity that they do, you've got a responsibility sometimes to yourself, sometimes to your employees, sometimes to your owners, sometimes to the public at large. And it's important to understand what your responsibility is. My responsibility was to turn a profit, increase the value of the team, and try to win games if possible. I viewed players as a means to an end. They were the product. It's like working in a for Pepsi and understanding the concept of what sugar is used for. Without sugar, you don't get soda. Without soda, you don't get sales. Without sales, you do not get stock appreciation. Without players, I can't win. Sugar at Pepsi can also cause stock to fall. Sugar rots your teeth. Sugar makes people fat. Now, Pepsi said, we gotta come up with a way to make Pepsi Zero. That's Coke Zero, Pepsi Light, whatever they do. Diet Pepsi. Wait a minute, the things in Diet Pepsi can cause cancer. Take take that out. It's a game of adjustments. Inside the clubhouse, when I see things that are going on that, in my opinion, make it more difficult for the team to succeed, I'm going to address those things. When I see things that are not getting in the way of the team succeeding... I'm not going to address them, even though, looking back, I should have. When I see players out all hours of the night, when I knock on room hotel rooms of players and I open and they let me in, it's 2 a.m. and there's one man, three women, and I know that they've got to play the next game and they're going to be up all night, and I don't say a word, I do knuckles, high five, and say, see at the ballpark. I see players who are out getting drunk, getting high, there is cocaine, There is marijuana, there is alcohol, there is everything you can think of going on because these are 24 to 28 to 33-year-old people who have access, who have time, and who have desire. And they also have the aura of invincibility. And if I know that that pot exists, and I don't mean marijuana, that sort of cauldron exists, Of ingredients exists. I'm very well aware of what the nightmare could be. And yet, I was willing to operate in a vacuum, allowing any and all activities to happen because tragedy is not going to happen in my clubhouse. We're not going to have a player take cocaine and then die in a boating accident. We're not going to have a player overdose. We're not going to have a player involved in domestic abuse, drive while drunk, get arrested. The disappointment that I feel looking back is that there was no way I was going to change my behavior at that time. We supplied performance psychologists to players because we wanted them to play better. I didn't care that they were having fights with their spouses at home or girlfriends or they were depressed or they were worried about people finding out that they were gay or not gay or that they were doing drugs or not doing drugs. What does it mean about winning tomorrow's game? Performance. I've told you the story of amphetamines. Amphetamines were given out like Tic Tacs. Players took them like lifesavers. I told you why they're ice cream machines in clubhouses, because players have to come down from their amphetamine high. Then it got a little dangerous. Baseball said no more amphetamines. And so we put in cafecito machines, espresso machines, and coolers of Red Bull. Then the doctor said, you're risking players having heart attacks, and then they won't be able to win games for you. All right, we need something other than Red Bull. What are we going to do? Of course... I wanted the players to not die. Of course, I wanted the players not to become addicts. But I also wanted the players on the field. And the players feel the exact same way. It doesn't matter if you're Babe Ruth or if you are Albert Pujols or if you are Vladimir Guerrero, senior or junior. The pressure is on to play. We all talk that 162 games is too much. Is it too much for you or too much for them? It's likely too much for both. Players need to play in order to get paid. But you say, what about those players with guaranteed contracts? They don't need to play and they still get paid. And I've been trying to tell you through the pendency of this lockout, the majority of players in clubhouses are not Rich with life-changing money. The majority of players are not on huge guaranteed long-term deals. The majority of players are year to year. Maybe they've got a two-year deal for 3 million each. You bring them in, but they're playing for their next contract, their next contract. They have got to keep performing. In order to get paid, you've got to play. In order to play day after day after day, you've got to do something. And we would say, oh, well, you're struggling. You don't look good. Oh, let's bring in our performance psychologist and teach you the ABCs of how to get your mind ready to win. It was only later in my career that we realized that clinical psychologists are going to be necessary. Those with training who are willing to sit with players. We hired a performance psychologist and a clinical psychologist all in one who's still in the game. The best I've come across, Dr. Jeffrey Fishbein. But still, I would be curious and interested in who's talking to him. And he, Dr. Patient Privilege, he would only have to tell me which players he was seeing in terms of who he had touch base with, but not anything about them. Not anything about their personal problems. Not anything going on at home that would impede their performance. The only thing I would know is after the fact, if their performance was impeded. Because I was judging the results. Players going for surgery, four to six weeks. When we announce what happens to a player when he gets hurt, we give you a timetable for return. That timetable may or may not be accurate, what we say to the public. But what we say to the player is, hey, you've got a hamstring. It's a grade two hamstring. That should not be more than six to eight weeks. Make sure you are ready because we need you back on the field. You need you back on the field. We sit in arbitration with players, and we go through their injury history game by game. You missed 40 games this year, 25 games, four trips to the disabled list. Therefore, you should get paid less. When we're negotiating with free agents, we talk about how many games they've missed, what their performance is. It is all a performance-based world inside sports. And people are blown away that players are taking drugs, performance-enhancing drugs, performance enhancing drugs like opioids. The reason why opioids are addictive inside a clubhouse is the same reason they're addictive outside a clubhouse because it starts with an injury. You get prescribed a couple of pills. You say, wow, that feels good. I wanna feel that way again, again, again. And then I don't wanna feel that way. I've gotta feel that way. I don't wanna take more. I've gotta take more. I can't get more. I'm gonna find more. I can't find it. Oh, I can get it from you. Shit, I'm dead. Tyler Skaggs was a major league baseball player who could not get opioids from a team doctor. He had to get them from another source, whether it be Eric Kay or anybody else, and they were laced with fentanyl. Anytime you're out there buying cocaine, pills, molly, anything – if you don't find out whether they are laced with fentanyl, then you are in danger of dying. Forget the addiction. People are dying everywhere. You think that players are any different than you? How many of you, how many of us do things to our bodies and say it's not going to be us? I don't need to wear a seatbelt. I'm going 10 feet away, going down the block. I don't need to follow the speed limit. I can go 90 it's not going to be me. I'm not going to get cancer. It's not going to be me. It'll be someone else in my family. Everyone says the same thing. Everyone takes health for granted until they're sick, and then they make a deal with God, and then they get better, and they do the same thing again. I've made the deal when I haven't been well. Please get me well, and I will take better care of myself. Horse hockey. It lasts for a week. So the criticism that baseball is now under because of the environment that it creates to allow this type of opioid abuse, how could you not have noticed? How could you have people dealing to those in the clubhouse? Folks, it happens every single day. And what can we do about it? That's the question. Do you think we can stop players from taking opioids? No. When a player has Tommy John surgery, when a player has a torn pectoral muscle, has Hammett surgery on their hand, we will prescribe maybe three painkillers and then keep track right down when the player takes it, how the player takes it, and then it's done. We are monitoring, we are looking for addiction symptoms. Does that mean we're going to find it? No. It means we're looking, but it certainly doesn't mean that we will be able to stop addiction. We have systems in place in baseball to control the number of pills. How many of you were upset with the needle distribution that was done in our country many years back. Do you remember during the AIDS crisis, many of you don't, AIDS was a major problem amongst drug addicts. People were sharing needles and that was a good way to get AIDS and then die. Well, if you give clean needles to people, they're not gonna die of AIDS, but they're still gonna do the drugs that come out of the needles. Therefore, how can we do needles? We are saying it's okay to do drugs. It's the opposite of just say no to drugs. But at some point, you can't take care of everything at once. So the best thing you do is the one thing that no one cares about. You educate. Every office that you work in has a sign about drug use and opioid abuse. There are counselors available, hotlines available. It's like on all the gambling websites. How many of you read the fine print? The big print gives you the promotions. Bet $2, win $280. Tiny, small print. If you or anyone you know has a gambling problem, call one 800 gamblers Anonymous. If you or anyone you know has a problem with opioids or drugs, please call 1-800-STOP-NOW, whatever the number is. Year goes by. Not one player calls the number. But we try to educate. We show videos. We talk about all the different people who have died. It's not just players. It's people in the industry of entertainment. Philip Seymour Hoffman, the father of Cooper Hoffman, who we reviewed the movie the other day. Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of the best actors of our generation, dead. Chris Farley, dead. John Belushi, dead. How many names do I have to give you? Lil Peep, Juice World, Mac Miller. Is that more your style if you don't remember Chris Farley or John Belushi? This is not something that is unique to sports or entertainment. It's just those are famous people. Do you think that rich, famous people don't have access to treatment? Of course they do. They don't have access to education? Of course they do. Those are the only two things we can do. You educate people, you offer them treatment, you monitor them, and then you shrug your shoulders when at some point the addiction has won. It's not great to admit when cancer has won, when a disease that you have has overtaken a young person's body and there's not one damn thing you can do about it, no matter how much you love the person, no matter how frustrated you are, you do everything you can. You make every possible doctor, system, cure, program available to anybody. And still, they die young. So do we say it's just a part of it's a part of odds? It's just math. There's going to be players doing opioids. There's going to be movie stars, players, athletes, normal people, regular people, tall people, short people who are going to die of an overdose at a young age. Well, we're gonna keep trying to find a cure for cancer, right? We're gonna keep trying to find a way to stop people from taking opioids. Oh, we are gonna find the opioid makers who knew it was addictive and still went forward. That'll do it. No, none of that will do it. The best chance you have to avoid an overdose, to avoid jail, to avoid death, To avoid addiction is not to start. But how many people follow that credo? I'll just try it once. What's the worst that can happen? It won't happen to me. Well, surprise, it happened to Tyler Skaggs, and now there's a lawsuit because everybody wants to find blame. Everybody needs that. How many times has something bad happened to you and you look for blame? It's what litigation's all about. It's what our criminal system is all about. Sometimes there's direct causation, then you get a conviction, and then you get someone in jail. Does that make Tyler Skaggs reappear if Eric K. gets convicted? Does he all of a sudden come back from the dead? Oh, but it feels good that we know what happened. If not for Eric K. giving drugs to Tyler Skaggs, he would still be alive pitching today, and that's... To me is not true beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not even true with the preponderance of the evidence. It is widely known that people who are addicted to anything will find a way to get what they want or something similar, no matter how many times or how many people say we're not going to be the one. <coughs> we are going to absolve ourselves from all responsibility because we didn't supply it, and that was me. And I'm here to tell you in 2022 that while I agree and I acknowledge that by me saying it wasn't me, by me saying it's fine for players to do coke and to get stoned and to drink and to do everything else they were doing inside and outside of family, on the road, at home, does that mean that I was part of the problem? Part of the solution? Does it mean I just closed my eyes in the name of profit and winning? I don't know. I think about it every day, though. I can promise you that. If you don't think, I think about Jose Fernandez every day. If you don't think, I think about Tyler Skaggs every day. He wasn't even one of my players, and I think about it every day. How about the people in my family? How about the people who I... I'm aware of who've had not just addiction problems, but also problems not of their own doing. Sometimes you just get cancer and die. I take full responsibility for even things that I can't control. And if there were more people who did that, does that mean that the opioid crisis would go away? Here's the worst part of this morning's show. The answer to that question is no. No. All right. Let's take a break, Coca. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to review a movie. We're going to change course here, although we're still going to talk about drugs because we have to talk about what's going on in Russia and the Olympics right now in China because it's, a, it's an outrage that this 15-year-old is being allowed to skate. We will be right back.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome back to nothing personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for that, for being with me every single day. We had a conversation about opioids and now we are moving on. I still watch a movie every day. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, following, and keeping this podcast growing. It is Academy Award time. We are moments away. Today is February 16th. The Oscars are on March 27th. And I can tell you that I'm gonna see every Oscar nominated movie. I have now seen every movie that is streaming. I still need to see West Side Story cause it's not streaming yet and drive my car. But yesterday I watched a movie nominated for best international feature And I know you think I'm a broken record. I am begging you to go on Amazon or wherever you get movies and spend $6 and watch a movie called Lunana, a yak in the classroom. A yak, as in the animal, a yak. Lunana is a place in Bhutan. It is a village at high altitude that has about 48 people. There is a movie that was filmed there about a teacher from... Bhutan, who was sentenced, basically, to teach a bunch of kids in Lunana. You can't drive to Lunana. You can't fly to Lunana. There's no cars, no planes. They didn't even know what a camera was. They went to film this movie, and the people in the village had not seen a camera before. They had not brushed their teeth before. That doesn't make them savages. These are some of the most wonderful, beautiful, skilled, interesting people I used to, uh, I told you on a recent show, Coca, do you, I don't know if you remember this, but I bet you do, that I would have friends who did not like baseball or, and I surrounded myself with a few of them during my career because when I was in the middle of a major crisis or a major news story that I thought was a huge deal, I would always say to my non-baseball loving friend, hey, do you know what's going on with the trade that we made to Toronto? and he would say, what trade? I have no idea what you're talking about. You you didn't hear the fact that we cut the payroll and traded all of our players, including the guys we just signed to Toronto? I literally don't even know what you're talking about. I'm talking about people who don't go to games, people who don't watch baseball, et cetera. There are people like that in the world. It's fun to think about because it makes you realize as self-important as I always thought I was, as the center of the universe in the room where it all happened. I was in the room where a lot of stuff happened for those subset of people interested in that which I was doing. In Lunana, they don't know whether Babe Ruth is a baseball player, a candy bar, or a type of car. So the director and writer of this movie decided to make a movie that is semi-formulaic, It's about someone from the quote-unquote big city who goes to a small place to teach and what do you think happens? But the beauty of the film, there really is a yak inside the classroom. The yak is named Norbu. I don't want to say more about this movie and I don't want to be the boy who cried wolf. But if there is a movie for you to watch, and I've said this about Worst Person in the World yesterday, I said it about Licorice Pizza the day before, and I'm sure I'll say it about the movie that I'm gonna review tomorrow because I want to give you the love of movies that I have. But Lunana, a yak in the classroom, could be an Oscar winner, and it will be one of the nicest movies you see. Now, the movie I'm gonna review tomorrow, I'm, gonna, I'm doing it, Coca, after the show. I'm going to watch Marry Me with J. Lo and Ben Affleck. Of course, it's not with Ben Affleck. It is with uh, J. Lo and Owen Wilson. Not nominated for Academy Awards, but I watch those kind of movies too. Please watch Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, and then let me know what you think. Okay. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But either way, we revisit it because we keep track. I've got to wait to see right now. Camilla Valieva is going to win a gold medal on Thursday. She is the 15-year-old Russian skater who tested positive in December for a drug called Wait for it, Coca. Wait for it. Give it to me. Give it to me. What's it called? Try tri-glycerin, triathlon, tri trimetazidinina, trimetazidina. Guess what that does? That gets oxygen, more oxygen to your heart. That gets you to do more with less effort. She's 15. She said, I didn't take that. I love it when players do that. I didn't put that needle in my ass. That was vitamin B12. And if it weren't vitamin B, do you ever have that? Oh, detour. When you're in a court of law and you say, oh, I didn't do that. Oh, but if I did do that, I didn't mean to do that. That's arguing in the alternative. This 15-year-old said, I didn't take that. But if I did, it was my grandfather's medicine. I like that. She said, it got mistaken with my grandpa's pills. It's a good thing she wasn't sleeping on a tent pole for three days. Huh? Explain to me how 15-year-olds do drugs, and I'll explain to you the documentary Icarus. That's what they do in Russia. They drug their people, and they say, go win gold medals because, hey, that makes us a powerful country. And if we have to, we're gonna invade Ukraine. But just in case we don't invade Ukraine, we're gonna make sure we win some gold medals with some young skaters to show that we are the superpower, Russia. It's absolutely outrageous. Now, don't get me wrong, people in other countries are doing drugs too. But why exactly is the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, saying to themselves, you know what? She can compete. And you know what? We're okay with Russia. We're not going to play your anthem, but you're good. Come to the Olympics. We don't want to penalize your athletes. This is far different than the conferences who are losing teams and say to those teams, you can't compete in our conference championships. We're screwing your students because of something you're doing. I don't agree with it, but that's a little different than a country being allowed to bring athletes to Olympics who are knowingly violating the rules against doping. For whatever reason, there's athletes around the world who their entire life's goal is to be an Olympic athlete. They want to win an Olympic gold medal, I'm in. I wish I had some sort of skill that I could win an Olympic gold medal. I don't, so I can't even comprehend the level of work that is needed to rise to the top of that profession and then do it. And I understand that athletes are going to try to find shortcuts. They're going to try to get healthy. We just talked about it with opioids and with all the things that players do in order to perform. It is an entirely different subject when your coaches or your country is giving you those drugs and saying, do it. Do it now or I put your family in prison. Do it now or I take away your cell phone and you're not allowed to be on the inter-Google. This 15-year-old Russian skater did the short program, finished in first place. She now gets to skate tonight, Thursday night, which is not tonight, tomorrow. I don't know if it's night or day because it's in China. She has a chance to go for gold. And you've got American skaters who are the Broadcasters for the Olympics, Tara Lipinski. What was the, who's the other one? Is it Brian Boitano? I can't, I don't think that's who it was. But whoever it was, it was former skaters who were Olympic medalists, and they gave her the silent treatment during the program. They didn't really analyze it, they just said she should not have been skating. So here's my question My question is. How far would you go when you are a parent of a gymnast, when you're the parent of a skater, when you're the parent of a hockey player? I just want you to think about that. Is the farthest you'd go to yell at your little league coach, your kid's little league coach? Is the farthest you go to lie about what your kids do in school to make sure they're academically eligible, do their test form, write their papers? Would you go a little further and let them do drugs? Would you go a little further? I'm just asking. A ton of athletes have been banged for drugs. Remember the athlete recently who, uh, all she did was get stoned, by the way. Remember that Richardson? She was that sprinter. She tested positive. She was she got high and uh, she she won a race, then got high and then got banned from the Olympics. Do you remember that? Because THC is also banned. THC weed. Believe me, again, I view weed as a performance enhancer, not exactly a performance enhancer. But if you're going to ban people for weed, how do you not ban them for drugs that help your heart process oxygen? And by the way, this 15-year-old had three different drugs in her system. Anyway, I got to read you this quote. It's so re- Okay, ready? There is a something called the Anti-Doping Agency, and they deal in America. They work with baseball, and, and all everyone's trying to stop doping, right? And so this 15-year-old had three drugs in her system. And the quote was, two of them are not banned, ironically, and one of them is, but one's enough. It's not exactly like uh, <laughs> like Willie Ames and Dick Van Patten, right? One's enough. You don't need eight. It's a trifecta of substances, two of which are allowed and one that is not allowed, he said. He said the benefit of such a combination seems to be aimed at increasing endurance reducing fatigue and promoting greater efficiency in using oxygen huh is that as far as you'd go to help your child or to make it so your 15 year old could get out there and win a gold medal in figure skating because hell reducing fatigue increasing endurance that sounds like something i'd want my players to be able to do greater efficiency in using oxygen getting up and down the court, getting around the rink. And everyone wonders why people are doing drugs. Drugs have been developed for the purpose of making people better at their jobs. How many of you were back in college in the 90s, 80s, 90s, or 00s? Do you remember something called No-Dos? There was something called Jolt Cola? No-dose, I think, was just an amphetamine, some sort of stimulant, and it was a badge of honor. Yeah, I studied all night for my art history exam, and I took no-dose. I had three Mountain Dews, two Jolts, one no-dose, and then I wondered why I couldn't figure out whether it was Monet or Manet. Was that an O or an A? Crikes! This is not just about performing on a field, it's performing at your job. And the reason why everyone is doing these drugs, whether they're PEDs, whether they're opioids, whatever they are, is because this world, this society, it's all about more. It's all about what's next, not what's past. It's all about looking the best you can look no matter how fake the platform is. Why do you think plastic surgery is such a big business? You can't get old. Everybody gets old. You can't look old. You can't be on TV with wrinkles in your forehead and with a sagging chicken neck. You've got to look like that you've been pulled tighter than black leather pants on an 80s rock band. Because we can't have anybody looking at anybody that doesn't look like what they want to look like. We want our athletes to be everything we know we can't be but dream that we once could. It's Asinine. <sighs> okay, Coca, if you're trying to hire people who don't do drugs, who don't need no dose and who actually are good at what they do, one of the places you can go is go to LinkedIn. How's that for a transition? I think we should send this right to LinkedIn where we transition from opioids to doping of 15-year-olds right to LinkedIn. Are you sure we can increase the rate? Viacom CBS. Oh, sorry, it's not Viacom CBS. Welcome to Paramount. Coca, I want you to go in your left pocket and count the amount of money you currently have in your left pocket because that money has now increased by a factor of X minus Y because we are about to say these days it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's true. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. I will now explore my own hiring stories and positive experiences relating back to LinkedIn Jobs. Of course we'd hire people on LinkedIn. Of course people are on LinkedIn. Why? Because when you are in human resources, you are going to LinkedIn because it's the lowest hanging fruit. Everybody's on it. Everybody writes down what they've done. It's a quick way to tell your boss that you have gone through an entire gaggle of people and you have found the right people to help do your job better. As a matter of fact, Coca, one of the things we should do in a future mailbag, and I think we'll do that next week, let's talk about the best way to hire. That'd be a good one. What to ask when you're interviewing people well when you find someone on linkedin your job is definitely going to be easier and you can create a free job post in minutes on linkedin jobs and reach your network a network your network beyond the world's largest four six nine create a free job post in minutes on linkedin jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash Samson. That's LinkedIn.com slash Samson. Coke, are we really sending this to LinkedIn? Okay. 469. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Samson. That's LinkedIn.com slash Samson to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Nothing personal pick of the day. 22 and 16. Sixers plus one and a half over Celtics did not win. Today's game is – wait. That's the next topic. Coca. All right. So just cut that off. Ah, come on. Nothing personal pick of the day. I got to give you the score because we had the Sixers beating the Celtics or at least losing by one. The final score of that game, just in case you were worried and you thought that we had a chance. Ready? 135 to 87. The Sixers lost by 48 points. James Harden was introduced. I thought it was a slam dunk. Everybody's so happy. They finally got rid of Ben Simmons. They now have James Harden, whose hammy still hurts. They're playing at home against their rival. It's a big game. The Sixers shot 28% from the field. The Celtics shot 56%, plus 56% from three-point line. They took 45 threes and hit 25 of them. I'm looking at the box score 22 and 16. We stink. Okay. How about today? Let's be better. We're 22 and 16. Now let's go to the other team who's got a new player. We are New York. We are the New York Knicks. We're going to play some ball. We got the Nets playing the Knicks. God, when I was a Knicks fan, we'd go to games. I'd love to go to games when the Nets were playing because I hated the Nets. They played in Brendan Byrne Arena. All I wanted to do was win those games. Well, also against the Celtics and Sixers and Heat. I just wanted the Knicks to win every game. The Nets now have Ben Simmons, who's not quite ready to play. Ben Simmons spoke to the media and spent time talking about the dark days of this season. The issues he had prior to the trade, the difficulty that he was having with the situation with the Sixers. The Sixers were only too happy to get rid of him, as you know. And I got to tell you, as I close today's show, I piled on to Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons complained of having mental health issues. Ben Simmons got fined and lost about $20 million in salary. And as soon as Ben Simmons got traded, I said to you, you know what? Ben Simmons is going to be mentally fine. He's going to get ready to play and play. Well, I've got a little nugget for you. At Twitter, at David P. Sampson, someone contacted me. And I do read the DMs, as many as I can. I really do. It helps that I don't sleep, although it really sucks that I don't sleep, actually someone sent me a long message thinking i probably won't read long messages it's true i prefer short ones but i did read this one and someone said you have been an advocate for mental health you have helped educate people through your show nothing personal about what it is you've talked about your own anxiety your own mental health issues you have made it better for people to talk about it and then you go presume and assume Someone you don't know doesn't have those same mental health issues. You know what? I'm okay to admit when I'm wrong. I tried to tell you that I had a concern that Ben Simmons was using mental health as a sword, not a shield. But I said it to you as though I knew it. I said it to you as though I was right. I should have said it to you as though it's possible. That's my mistake. Ben Simmons met the media. I don't know whether it's true or not true, but I do know that for those people who suffer from any anxiety issues, from any mental health, who have dark days, it doesn't matter whether you're a player, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or famous or infamous or nobody knows who you are or you have no relatives at all. Everybody is subject to addiction. Everybody is subject to depression Everybody is subject to mental health issues. And how dare I downplay someone's possible issues because as a former executive, all I see is the possible greed that I've seen before. Just because you've seen something before doesn't mean that it guarantees that's how it will be again. So I publicly right now apologize to Ben Am I wrong about you? Am I right about you? I don't know, but I didn't give you a chance. You now have that chance, and I hope you come back and play, and I hope that you find peace and health off the court, on the court, and that you can resume a career that for you is productive in the way you define being productive. In the meantime, we're going to take the Nets plus 3.5 over the Knicks, But the result of that game will be far less important than the message you take from this show, which is, it's okay to admit when you're wrong, and it's okay to not just want to be better, but to be better. This is nothing personal.